Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome in alongside Royden Ogletree. I'm Paul Catalina. But if you watch the show, you should know that. But if you're new to it, oh, then here, I mean, you'll find out that when it says with Paul Catalina, mm-hmm. I'm that guy. And you're another guy. Well, I mean, would they really know if they haven't watched the show? I mean, but like you would assume the first guy who talks would be Paul Catalina. What if they've never heard radio before? That's true. I don't know. No, no, no. What to tell you? I don't know. I don't know. But you're Royden and you're usually here on I Tuesdays. I am Royden. Hello. And uh, see, um, we do this shot quite often now because most every person on earth is taller than me. Um, and this makes it look like Roy and I, uh, are oh, the we same, adjusted the cameras are the same species, right? So if you take the wide shot of this desk, obviously it looks like God loves one of us more. So <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do that. So, you know, Oh, yeah, the humble has said, I humbled myself before you, though. I, was, I asked you before we started the show, I was like, you ever start the day taking Miralax? Like, yeah. No, hey, look. That's uh, where I am today. I'm, so. I'm, 40, I'm 43, so yeah. I've got all kind of. Listen, you're not to the point in your life yet. Garrett is in his late 30s, so Correct. he is starting yes. to experience this. Um, but where you will wake up in the morning and you'll hurt. But you have done like done nothing. Not like I, I I walked in a treadmill for twenty minutes. Yeah, like that shouldn't have hurt me. You know, like I uh, I went. Uh, I yeah. am starting to get to the point in my life I, where I think we talked about this before. Stretching is like key. Yeah, I I went for a run without stretching. I pulled my groin. Yeah, um, yeah. But I've had times where like I'll wake up and I'll be like, man, my 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 shoulders just really tight. And I was like, what'd you do? I'm like, I don't know. I mean. I had that steak last night. And <laughs> that's, you know, just, I guess. <laughs> I, you ever thrown, this is completely different tangent. You ever like thrown a football or a baseball with like your nephews or something like that in the next day, your arm feels like it's about to fall off. Oh no. I, uh, I used I, to throw a baseball all the time. Didn't matter. It wouldn't warm up. Wouldn't matter. Like now if I like play toss I, for a little bit, I'm yeah. like, I, I think I need Tommy John. Yeah. I, um, my wife's nephew last, like he, he's like a really good baseball player and I've like watched his dad like play with him. Yeah. And then like, I see the look in his face where his dad thing, like, could I go full? Like <laughs> I went, you know, nine innings, 
mm-hmm. in a pitcher's duel type game, like put ice in and like a jacket over my right. arm and all that. Like this is postseason on three days rest, complete mm-hmm. game. I've seen the look in his face, like, and that was like an hour, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and no, but like I remember uh, playing football um, with a buddy of mine's kid for like forty minutes one time, and. You know, I wasn't like heaving it deep or anything, but yeah. afterwards I was like, oh man, uh, you know, they might have to surgically like, reattach my arm. Yeah. Honestly, I like get the icy hot, like, you know, or I'll just call somebody like, do you know, Dr. James Andrews? Right. <laughs> do you think <laughs> I could get specifically for who was Kobe's doctor when he got that weird German stuff in his knee, the yeah. stem cells or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Can I go see that guy? Like, yeah. you'll be fine in three days. Doesn't feel like it. Doesn't feel like it at all. And look, you're also talking to the guy who uh, four years ago ripped both of his hamstrings playing softball. So it's incredible. Yeah, it was. It was one of the greatest sports feats of my life. It was a grand injury. To do both is like, I don't, I don't think Justin Jefferson could do both at one yeah, time. Yeah. Um, I will tell you um, the worst part about ripping both your hamstrings is the next morning when you have to sit down on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and at that time, it was kind of a miracle. I did live it like it was good and bad that I lived alone. But yeah. had I like been living with with my wife then, like she would have been like, "Did somebody just murder you?" <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> 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 just the, the the way down, I just like screamed the whole way, <laughs> and then and then sat there and cried for a minute. Like <laughs> you got to hold on to the towel rack to like what, what is what is my life? <laughs> this is not right. This is a football show. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It is a football show. Uh, We're going to talk several different things today. In the last segment, Riley Leonard, Dylan Gabriel have both made their transfer portal decisions, um, and they're both big-time decisions. Uh, Which one of them will um, can deliver their team to the promised land of the 12-team playoff uh, next year? Obviously, Oregon would have been in that this year. Uh, Notre Dame would not have. Um, Notre Dame would have probably been a game out of it because of, uh, you know, losing to Louisville, who would have been in it, or losing to Clemson, who would not have been in it, or losing to Ohio State, who would have been in it. So those are kind of interesting things uh, to talk about. We'll also, like, actually, as I move forward through my trauma about the college football playoff, let's talk about the actual games in the next segment and, like, sure, you know, like what is actually going to happen and not what, uh, you know, justice calls for. Are you at the bargaining phase yet? I think this might be it. Okay. This might be it, where I just have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like a lot of weird things where only one player outside of the transfer portal guys that Florida State's lost, all of which except for one are backups. Well, all of them are pretty much backups. One right. of them is a pretty solid rotation player, but um, but they're all not the starters. No one but Johnny Wilson has said he's not playing in the bowl game. That doesn't mean that they're going to, but the the longer that they wait to say the obvious thing that they're going to do, the more sillily, you know, crazily optimistic I get. Right. They're going they're going to opt out of the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Like they're not going like Keon Coleman is not playing against Georgia unless he's like the coolest guy that's ever walked the face of the earth, which he might be. I don't know, but also not for nothing. Half the Georgia people are like, not yes, I mean that's gonna like it's you know that's the thing about the. And that, that leads, segues nicely into 
if we were the college football boss for a day, mm. some of the things we would do, I would make like one of the things I would do is like, let's take a real look at the bowl system. I'm not saying eliminate the bowl system. Yeah. It has, it has a lot of value that I think average fans don't see where, you know, it's 15 practices. It's getting young guys reps that they weren't getting. Like there are good things that are happening now in the modern bowl context that uh, are valuable for teams moving forward. But I also think that we need to, Extra, nobody wants to talk about this, but it's like extra exposure in prime time for a lot of, I mean, some of them are played in the Bahamas, like on Christmas Eve yeah. in the morning. So not that, but like some of these larger bowl games are played at night on ESPN. That's exposure to people that may not have eyes on what you're doing in yeah. the first place. And nobody really talks about that. They Recruits that want to go to your school are going to go to your school, but I digress. Yeah, they're not going to be like, hey, I saw the Humanitarian Bowl yeah, on exactly. December 17th. The Gasparilla Bowl, and yeah. you know, uh, that really swayed me to U ULM. Yeah, no, but that that's not, but it's it's still, it's good. It's a good opportunity mm -hmm. for you to play a team you're not going to play. But I do think one of the things I would do the bowl system, if I were the college football boss, is I'm going to eliminate your conference tie-ins. Right. And then we're just going to go through... And Jack and I talked about this the other day because Jack's a brilliant young man, although I think he's got his headsets in so he can't hear me say that, which is the best. Thank uh, you. Oh, okay, oh. he heard it. Okay. Um, but, like, I would just see, like, after the playoff, see, like, he suggested doing, like, the NIT almost yeah. for college football. Just seed the bowls that way. You know, just go ahead and do that. And that, to me, is a little bit more interesting than, like, the – Fifth SE, like, and then the, there's all this stupid negotiation with the bowls. Like, the ACC, because of the, you know, ridiculous, stupid, hateful, um, you know, Gestapo esque uh, CFP decision. I don't know what else I can call it, but right. the, you know, the violation of justice that it was, um, you know, everything that's soulful and wrong about sports in America. Anyway, uh -huh. uh, <laughs> all of that. Uh, but, after that, the ACC couldn't tell their teams where they were going because Jim Phillips and everybody in the ACC was caught totally flat-footed because they thought there's no way that they could do this when, you know, they should have known, like, oh, they're totally doing this. Right. They're totally doing this. And so I would just get rid of all that. Like, you know, let's make it to where – you're already like seeing in the, in the New Year's Six, like, yes, they have conference affiliations, but also, you know – if you're in the CFP games, then your confidence affiliations don't mean anything. Yeah. So, I mean, what are we clinging to? So what you were just saying, just to backtrack, that uh, FIFA is about on par with, like, a Jimmy Carter, <laughs> like, uh, compared to this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, um, yeah. I wanted to uh, – I, I, I don't mind the reseeding of bowl games and, like – distributing equally like down the line. Mm -hmm. I think that just worked. Like there should be a bowl game where it's like if LSU and Georgia or are able to play each other, just let, like, let them play each other. You I know? mean, like, like you like, could rank maybe seating rank I'm, choice. You could also though, like even if you got to conference of like, okay, well it'd be LSU and Georgia cause they're the 15th and 16th seeds this year. Mm -hmm. Then, all right, well then just like swap them with the next ones available to where like, at least you're not going to see a conference game again, yeah. you know, but like with that rule in like, okay, conference can't play conference if you're not in the playoff and let's just go on down the line. That way you just, I don't know, to me, it's, it, it would just be more interesting that way, you know, yeah. and, and more reasonable. And then you could, you know, 
take back a lot of the TV broadcast. Um, we had Tim Brando on all the time. And one of the things he said, one of the first times we had him on, was that college football completely seeded the month of December to the NFL. Like they had this, you know, time where the NFL used to not do anything yeah. in December that was any different. It was just now they're playing games on Saturday. Now I think they're, they're playing, playing on Saturday. They're yeah. playing, yeah. So you gave them your day mm -hmm. for a month. That's stupid. Yeah, that's really that was really stupid. That was a really stupid thing to do because they're already bigger than you and bigger than everyone. Right. And it's not like you could call them and be like, "Hey guys, um, you know we did that. Like, could you, you know, could, could you, you backtrack on could that? Could you backtrack on that? Like, I know you're making a lot of money, but uh, no, it's if not you told the NFL that it was like we're, we're you're going to play a game every single day of the week, they'd be like, bet. Like it, yeah. it's not you know you you ceded that control over. So sorry. Well, that, like during the COVID year when they had to play those games on Tuesdays, they were yeah. like, huzzah! Which they should do anyway and get rid of Thursday games, but uh, that's a different thing. I have a. Uh, a fix for the overall nature of college okay. football. This Good is going to take a minute, but just hang with me. It's from a guy named like Sideline Ace on TikTok. Yes, I'm on TikTok. Yes. No, I don't understand it. But do you, do you I am, like I, do dances and stuff? I don't yet. That was start, by the way, kids. Here's your next yeah. TikTok dance. Right. I mean, <laughs> maybe not like that, but I mean, who knows what's going to happen? You should make a TikTok. You put, you put, you take that video right there. What if? Put, what if you became like the next millionaire off of TikTok? That would, that would be weird. Forty-year-old man, yeah, quits <laughs> job in radio. Yeah, now just absolutely. This is not my medium anymore. I'm just going to do little TikTok dances. Mm -hmm. You know, you put you put a Camila Cabello song behind that, and then it'll be a hit. That was Paul in the Tallahassee Clubs, by the way. Probably. Yeah. Um, so the this is overall conference realignment. This guy suggests. That there are no conferences, but teams, instead, teams are realigned by region. So what this is overall going to say is kind of what we hearkened to last week, is that all of these teams in these regions are basically going to be in their own Premier League style. So there's going to be a Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3. So you have the Southeast, Midwest, Central and West region. Yeah. If I could show you the map, I would. But basically, the West basically I can see it from here. But yeah, yeah. Our, basically our encompasses everything from New Mexico West. Texas is in the Central region, along with Oklahoma, uh, Kansas, Missouri, and Iowa, and Arkansas and Louisiana, so on and so forth. Yeah. South encompasses what basically is made up of the SEC outside of the Carolinas. Yeah. And so. It, it basically goes like this, like the East region or all the regions, tier one, tier two, tier three, the tier one schools are mainly what are currently the, the current power five schools, yeah. just divided up into those regions. So for example, the South region is basically the SEC, but you go Alabama, Georgia, Florida State, Tennessee, Florida, Auburn, Miami, Ole Miss, Mississippi, UCF, Georgia Tech, and Vanderbilt, but the tier below them are teams like Memphis, USF, FAU, uh, I think this is Temple, uh, UAB, you, you get yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. So just for example, for your listeners that follow along with the Big 12, Texas, OU, LSU, A&M, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Arkansas, Kansas State, Kansas, Nebraska, OSU. That would yeah. be the central region. Below them would be Tulane, Missouri, U of H. Now, you'd have to knock some teams down, but he suggests that the top two teams from Tier 2 and Tier 3 
get promoted. The bottom two teams from tier one and tier two every year get relegated. Yeah. So that would be a continuous, oh, well, we're not in the power five. Well, you want it. It's like the Premier League. You keep it moving cyclical. Cyclically. Yeah. yeah I don't even know. Yeah. It's a cyclical thing, rather. Yeah. So, but then they suggest that the schedule becomes. 10 regional games. You play everyone in your region, eight games from the same tier, two from a different tier. Yeah. Two non-regional games, one from the same tier, another power five school, yeah. and one from a different tier. Yeah. So then you have a regional tournament. You This basically comes down to that you're making college kids play like 19 games, but yeah. we'll get past that. You'll have a regional tournament, six from tier one, two, uh, top four from tier two, top two from tier three. Like a tournament that they have in England. Yeah. Uh, the FA cup. Yeah. Basically where you determine, it doesn't matter what premiership you're in. It, yeah. You are just the best team in England that year. Yeah. Normally it's like Manchester United, but yeah. who, who cares? Um, but then he suggests taking away the 12 team playoff, but, but then making it a 16 playoff where five, because we have five regions. Yeah. Everyone has an automatic bid, yeah. no arguing. If you win your regional re, regional tournament, yeah. you're in. And then a one at-large bid. Yeah. That is still determined by a committee. The problem is then you have to have a committee. Yeah. But regardless, you have five regional champs. That, that way it's settled on the field. We don't have this yeah. Florida State debacle. The bowl games thing is interesting because he suggests after regional tournaments, the bowl selection committee, they're going to have to do a lot more work. We'll rank the top 18 teams from each region, top eight teams from tier one, top six teams yeah. from tier two and top four teams from tier four or tier three, rather the regional champ and the one at large bid are not bowl eligible because they're in the playoffs. Yeah. Just get rid of them. Total 18 teams per region, 90 eligible teams, 45 bowl games. So this gets a little more in the mud about regional bowl tie-ins. You don't want to do that. So maybe let's, well, I mean, let's yeah, I mean, if, but I mean, like if, I mean, I said, I don't want to do that. This is your, so your Rose bowl, Midwest, number two seed, West, number two seed. So yeah. you keep the West tie-in into yeah. the Rose bowl, South, uh, the sugar bowl, South, number two seed, central number two seed. So it's kind of the same tie-in yeah. SEC, big 12, go on down the line. And they have all these other bowl tie-ins, but then they have some bowl games with no regional tie-ins, like the Military Bowl, the Copper Bowl, it's New Orleans Bowl, some things like that. A bowl selection committee will will pick the remaining matchups. Mm -hmm. um, and he gives the final notes on this. Final, the format guarantees that schools can compete for national title every year, no matter what tier they're in. Mainly it's if you're in the top tier, but you can continuously win. Yeah. Positive team. Another positive teams will get to play against teams in their region more often and create more rivalries. So you keep that in state or regional rivalries. And most of these places are within driving distance. I mean, I, I guess if you're outside Texas, but smaller schools have the opportunity to build up programs and move up. That's kind of what my thing was, is that we're looking at is that, there is no upward trajectory for for the have-nots right now. Mm -hmm. And there yeah. never has been, really. Yeah. But unless you were uh, a Baylor and thrown in by the governor of Texas into the conference in the last second, you know, where would they be had that not happened? You know what I'm saying? So I think, I think that, like, 
all of a sudden FAU has Lane Kiffin in their 11 and one that one year or those couple of years, they keep moving up. They can compete. I like that about this. I mean, Tulane can same thing. I, I just think there has to be some sort of reason to keep playing these games and to keep saying, Hey, well, you can win. You can I, keep going. I, I, I think like there's as, always going to be as, the people with uh, money in the hat. It's unrealistic that that, that is because you'd have to get everybody to agree that like, Oh, if I lose, I'm going to go down. Um, right. And that's, that's not a very American thing to do. Yeah. Um, but, um, I do think that there needs to be, and that's what we talked last week with like the new subdivision of the NCAA. At least you're setting a point of, okay, this we're willing to spend this much money on something. If you're not, that's fine. But let's all admit that we're not, yeah. like, we're not realistically chasing the same goal. You know, and we're also not lying to you. Yeah, like, yeah. we're not gonna like. Oh no, I mean, we we you know the the one thing I I think and it bothers me because I would love to see the group of five uh, teams get more equal footing and and more of that. But like it's the it's the disdain that the power five seemingly has to the group of five, and then pretends like, well, no, I mean, we're happy to throw some scraps to them. Oh, you know, Cincinnati, cute. Yeah, you know, come on in, like you know, begrudgingly doing these things, uh, and mostly it's because they they a don't want to share and b they don't want to get embarrassed by someone they think is beneath them. No, and you know. look, it if you look at the Premier League, it's literally Manchester City, mm-hmm. like that. It's Manchester City, Man United, Liverpool. Like I know, you know, some of those teams haven't won, but like Manchester City has been kicking everyone's teeth in for the past two, three years since COVID and everyone knows the rub, but they still, there's still a hope that they can compete. And the amount of money also fluctuates if you can get up to those leagues. So if like Leicester city or Norwich or somebody like that, I know I'm talking about uh, football and not football, but like, I, I think that if those teams can get, then the revenue share goes up. But I think, you're right in saying that like, oh, if Alabama has a stinker year, you're going to tell them all of a sudden that they can't, they never will. But if they do, they're going to get relegated. You know what I mean? Yeah. That may never happen. Also, they said the new, the neutral with this is uh, with promotion and relegation. I think NIL and the transfer portal will become even far more active. Yeah. Especially if you get relegated. You see people. Uh, you see people in the Premier League buy players from lower teams all the time, or buy prospects from lower teams. Um, and to win a national title, teams would have to play up to seventeen to nineteen games, which is a lot for like student athletes. Not in the NFL. NFL is already saying, "Hey, the, if NFL can make it twenty games, they would." No. Uh, they've kind of well, and they, they, they'll get there. It'll get there. Yeah, it'll get they'll there. cut out all the preseason. They'll just play twenty regular season games. I think that inevitably we're going to go to these these schools playing about 16 games in general. Mm-hmm. So I don't I I don't mind it. I mean it's tough for the student athletes and their bodies and keeping up with with grades and such, but we're getting more and more to the, like this is a professional sport. Yeah. This so is no. this is a professional sport. No, I like I would 
Yeah, I, I'd be one of those guys that would figure out a way to make these guys employees and let's collectively bargain because it's, look, it's going that way anyway. So as opposed to losing in court and then getting steamrolled by something that's not sustainable and it's going to collapse in and itself, I'd be like, all right, let's start right now and let's make this, let's make this something that can function, you know, and also keep some of the tradition that we're accustomed to because right. right now we're steamrolling through a, a completely uncertain future and how this is all eventually going to work out. Yeah. You know? I, I just, I like the idea. It's, it's all a pipe dream. Like you said, if we were the boss for a day, what would we do? But it's all a pipe dream. But I think my biggest pipe dream is that we I didn't say for a day. I said for, if for, you're a, oh, a for, boss, if you're if the, boss, the boss, if you're like, listen, this is hey, your job, revenue sharing, everybody play nice. If you want to keep making all this money off of TV deals and uh, bringing popularity and kids to your school that want to go to your school to watch big time football, which is a thing that happens. If you're good at football, your enrollment goes up. We all know this more enrollment equals more donors down the line. You're going to have to start revenue sharing with littler team, literally with smaller teams. And, uh, you're going to have to not lose to them. So figure it out. And, and whatever that takes is what it takes. The problem then becomes like, oh, we, we have fully transitioned into a professional sport. And now, like, are these people just staying here until they're 28? Yeah. Uh, then you have a fight with the NFL. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. But I'm just saying we're dividing into regionals. We're keeping regional rival rivalries. And uh, may the best man win. Yeah, absolutely. All right. When we come back. Let's talk about the actual games in this college football playoff and Let's. break them down as opposed to, um, you know, what I think it should be and what, you know, wish casting. Yes, exactly. You know, as opposed to, you know, their defiance of God, it's God himself mm. in this. No, I, that's probably not true. <laughs> I, d I doubt there one day that, you know, during the rapture, it's going to be like, and by the way, college football playoff committee. Greg Sankey, <laughs> 20, you pay for your sins. 2023 really, really was not a good idea. Now, uh, when we come back, we will talk about the actual CFP and how it's going to shake out. This is the triple option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome back. Paul Catalina, Royden Ogletree alongside. And Royden, um, I've spent uh, over a week now, you know, in a blind rage, sorrow, 
anger. They found him the other night naked in Cameron Park. Yeah, that wasn't me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but no, it just... Uh, just... Uh, man. Screaming, we were undefeated! Yes, all those things. I've been through it all. Uh, you know, just grabbing strangers on the street going, is there no justice in this world? And then like, what are you talking about? And then I just go on because college football. <laughs> but no. Uh, so we do have a 14 playoff for uh, mercifully one last year. Mm-hmm. And there are some pretty intriguing games in it, which honestly, we have not talked about on this show at all because... And trying to solve the world's problem. Because, yes, we were trying to fight. Like, again, I became like, what's the dude that used to be Jim Acosta, you know, like in the White House press room, oh decided gosh. to like fight the battles for the world. Right. Um, so as I move past that and into the uh, stark reality of what we are, um, Starting out, I want to do Washington and Texas second because I think that's the better matchup. But Alabama and Michigan is very intriguing to me in that Michigan is a much cleaner team than Alabama is right now. They're they're big up front on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball. Um, they don't have as many like big-time playmakers as Alabama does, but they run the ball really well. J.J. McCarthy's a, a, a pretty darn good quarterback. But I don't want to play Jalen Milrow right now. Like, he is – really locked in and it's not he because was of fine though in that game. It's not it's not um and it's not because of like if you look at his numbers they're kind of they kind of can be deceiving. Like it's kind of up like okay well mm-hmm. he's this like uh, I was talking to our friend Andrew Baker, uh, Garrett, and he's like, well, he's like a, a 52% passer. I'm like, that's not what gets it's me. It's legs, man. It's the, like, it's the improvisation that he's yeah. been able to develop that if you can keep it close, that's where you're going to lose to Jalen Milrow. Because right now, he's had a couple games this year where he was ridiculously dominant. Like, oh, my God, look at this guy. But most of them are these kind of peaks and valleys of like, oh, well, he missed a wide-open receiver on this route. He can really only throw these things right now. I do think that a lot of that will change, and they'll, they'll as he gets better, like those will those will, will get better too. But right now it's just he's the best athlete on the field at any given time, mm-hmm. and he has the ball in his hand every single play. And when stuff breaks down – it's going to be very hard to stop the guy who is just making it up as he goes. And I would compare him right now to Vince Young the year before in 2004 when high praise, when Mac Brown decided to let go and just kind of, all right, we're going to let, let Vince, let, let Vince be Vince and we'll see what happens because we're trying to make him do this and he doesn't, he's it's not we're not registering and then when they did that and it was like oh look at this they won the rose bowl Mm -hmm. then they run the rose bowl or they won the fiesta bowl they run the rose bowl twice Twice. right they beat michigan in the rose bowl and then they beat usc in the rose bowl so like they won two rose bowls in a row including one of the greatest college football games that will ever be played because they just let vince young be vince young i think nick saban and tommy reese have done that with jalen milrow he's just not maybe as far along as Vince Young was at that point in his career, but it's very similar in that, yeah, you're going to have moments where like 
in that year, like Vince Young would have been like 14 of 31 passing and not really that good. And the, like the yardage is up because he broke some big ones. But it was, oh, we finally got him in third and 15. We've got him dead to rights, dead to rights, dead to right. No, he just got 22 yards. Like those are the things that scare me about Jalen Milrow right now because you can't game plan for improvisation that well. You just have to you can get like right around it and hope that your athletes can can match his athleticism but and georgia mostly was able to um but that's because they're georgia but ex- like mostly we're able to like when it comes down to a three-point game that's where he gets you right yeah. i think the um it's interesting that people have been calling that you know this is one of Saban's best coaching jobs, but not for the Jalen Milrow part. Like, yes and no. Like, he wanted every opportunity to not play Jalen Milrow and then, like, couldn't because it's like, yeah. oh, we don't have anybody else. So we had to play him. And then by just letting him play, they somehow unlocked him. Uh, only has six interceptions on the season, which I could have, you know, he's yeah. done pretty good at, like, protecting the ball. Regardless, this is Saban's best coaching job because all of a sudden the cornerbacks can cover. Yeah. Do you remember when they played Texas? Yeah. They're getting cooked. Yeah. Early in the season, they were not good. It, but now it, it's also he is coached around like they still commit a lot of stupid penalties. Yeah. Like just it's, stupid. It's like the, it's like sloppy, lazy penalties that it's normally not Saban that kind of yeah. It's not that kind of Nick Saban sort of sharp team yeah. that we've noticed, but still somehow they yeah. are 12 but, and one. Um, uh, and, and to 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 prove my point further, I'm going to go back to something, Garrett. I'll give you. The last drive of the Auburn game with Jalen Milrow right. is terrible thing, terrible thing, terrible thing, miraculous thing. So that's where Jalen Milrow gets you is that. Yes, yes. Or no, 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 no. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Three terrible things in a row, including one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen a human being make on a football field at that level playing for that coach that should have cooked the game. And then he made a throw that only. The only guy in the stadium who could do that was him, and he did it. And so that's why Jalen Milrow scares me the most is because he's at a point right now where he's like his mistakes aren't crippling him, and he's just like, oh, uh, I remember when I was a kid and I was the best athlete in the yard. It's the same right now, and that's what he's doing. i tell you this much. Michigan's a one-point favorite. I'd be betting a lot on Alabama. I like. I know this is in a betting podcast or whatever, but we uh, – Could be one day. Could be one know. day, yeah. It, <laughs> minus one in the Rose Bowl, but I – Michigan's offense, nobody likes to talk about this because all of a sudden they're 13-0. and Michigan didn't look good against Iowa. Iowa's a good defense. Don't get me wrong. They could, They scored what? 20, 26. 26 and, points? And the first touchdown was after a, a long punt return. They got knocked down at the, like, the two-yard line. Yeah. I, their offense, especially their passing game, I think J.J. McCarthy is better than what his numbers say. But their passing offense doesn't strike fear in my heart at all. And with like the way that Downs and Arnold and Kool-Aid McKinstry are all playing, it, it seems to me that – Saban has, because that's his job, that's his bread and butter, is defensive backs. But it seems to me that he has them playing at a level that will completely just, I think, annihilate these uh, these Michigan wide receivers. So they're really going to have to win in the trenches, which, by the way, Alabama's still good at, you know? Yeah. Because they recruit five-star recruits that play linebacker and, and defensive tackle. But that's kind of my, my key to watch, yeah. is how do these wide receivers who haven't, They've been kind of up and down. I don't know who they're leading. Who's their leading receiver? 
Uh, which Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson, 662 yards this year. Uh, I mean, maybe Loveland can get out there as a tight end and exploit some of that, but I really think that the, the, the matchup trying to throw the ball down the field is going to be a problem. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I agree. All right, so Texas and Washington – Garrett and I have spent a lot of time talking about this particular one, actually. Um, Garrett, I think this one, it's weird. I think Texas matches up. Obviously, we've seen him match up with Alabama. Right. I think they would stroke Michigan. And I think, I, 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 I really do. Like, I, I think that where Mich- maybe it won't be like Texas beating Michigan badly, it's just because Michigan is so well coached that, like, that wouldn't necessarily happen. But I do think that they are, they've got athletes like they can match Michigan all over the place and maybe exceed them in places like nobody else can. Um, but if you were to draw a team that can exploit Texas's weaknesses more, it would have been Washington. No, it really is. I mean, the, the Texas secondary has struggled all year long, and then having McMillan come back healthy, and we saw what he was able to do against Oregon last week. He put him with Polk and uh, Dunze. That's going to be a mismatch nightmare. My thing is going to be, because I don't think Washington's necessarily going to have a problem putting up points. Um, it's going to be which Quinn Ewer shows up, and if they get into a shootout situation, can he compete with that? Um, but man, I just I think Texas' ability to run the ball is going to be significant in helping their offense. But yeah, as far as the matchup goes, what Washington can do offensively is a mismatch nightmare for Texas. Other than having Byron Murphy and Sweat coming down your throat if you're Penix. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a I think it's a really interesting matchup because again, those wide receivers, Texas's biggest weakness is their secondary. Although one of their biggest weaknesses, Jalen Catalan, is in the portal. Oh, so yeah, they don't have to worry. Wild. About- by the way. <laughs> <laughs> talked about that he's just like i'm out <laughs> yeah First, best season in texas like in 20 years yeah didn't didn't work out i mean see i don't know if he's officially in the portal he might be i don't know he's going to the portal but um yeah so they like their their weakness is their secondary like where you get texas is being able to burn him in the secondary and um you know washington if you're going to tell them like that's the game they're going to play that's great uh they're 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 totally fine with that because they have those wide receivers and they have the the Heisman trophy runner up in michael Penix jr uh i do i i wonder i wonder um if um we see the like, Quinn Ewers we saw in the Big 12 title game. And look, he was he was electric in that game. He was great against Texas Tech the week before. He's he's been really good since he came back from injury. But how many of those games have been against teams like Washington? We'll see. Can you throw them to a win if you have to? Now, the running game's still been good in spite of the fact that Jonathan Brooks has been hurt. But this, yeah, I agree with you completely. This comes down to, do you see the Quinn Ewers that we just saw the last couple weeks? Because if he is now taking that step, that's bad news for everybody in the playoff and everybody next year when he comes back because he's finally maybe clicked mentally and physically at the same time, which I don't think was necessarily happening before. Last year, you saw these flashes, but Texas lost the games they lost Mm -hmm. because Quinn Ewers could not throw them to a win. And now it looks like he might be able to do that. I think it is interesting because the numbers would tell you otherwise, and Texas fans will get mad at me when I say this because he's been playing so well, and I was dead wrong about Quinn Ewers. I will say this. Even though he was dealing, he can be baited into an interception. It feels like in there was a moment 
even though he had thrown three touchdown passes or whatever it was, and Oklahoma State was dead to rights, that he threw a pick and all of a sudden it felt like they had momentum and they got back. Then they ended up running them out of the building. But do you remember what I'm, what I'm saying in the big 12 championship? He he threw a pick and then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, they're within two scores again, you know? Mm -hmm. And if that happens, can he overcome it on a stage as big as that? Because we tend to forget he's still a young guy too. Yeah. Michael Penix been around the block, still a young guy as well. But what is Quinn Ewers? He's not 21 yet, or is he? You know? So I'm interested to see that. The other matchup I'm looking forward to is off the, the offensive line versus Texas defensive line, Washington's offensive line versus Texas defensive line. Um, I think if you make Penix sit back there and throw it, Obviously, he's been incredible all year, but I think a lot of that Washington game also is predicated on getting the ball out fast, just like most of these offenses are. Mm. So, I i mean, I just saw Texas defensive line make grown men in the trenches look like boys mm-hmm. all year. Uh, so if they, can, if they can get to the quarterback, obviously that is a key to win most games. So I'm not saying anything new there. Yeah. But I, I, I do think that is a matchup worth looking further into. But he should be able to make some chunk play shots down the field against those defensive backs as well. Four-point favorite for Texas going into this. Is it weird to say that this is the worst matchup possibility for both of these teams? Yeah, no. I mean, this was the one that you would not have wanted if you were either like, one, right? If you're Washington, you're kind of like – I beat Oregon twice. Like I should probably be the one seed in playing Alabama who I match up better with on paper. Like, yeah, I, you know, I just think this is the word they're like, they got Texas. They're I, probably like, Ugh. I, I'll tell you this. I think one of the other things that's not talked about is, and this is, this is because the sec is the story here, how they got in, but the big 10 is the other big dog conference. And they got the number one seed of a team. I don't think he's very deserving based on their wins of being the number one seed. I, I don't think they are. I think comparatively Washington, because they have the same record has better wins than Michigan. They should, you made a good point. They should be the one seed and Michigan should be the two seed because Washington has much better wins. Michigan didn't have to play Ohio state twice. No, they dodged that bullet uh, because that, well, I mean, they may never get to again because of the way that the new conference is, but they dodged that bullet and they only had to play two teams that were any good all year long in Penn state and Ohio state. So again, like, you know, why, like, why did that happen? Why did Michigan get to be the number one seed? Because early in the season, they were ranked two and one all year long before the season started, and they're the Big Ten, so and we're also were not going to question them. They were in the them. CFP last year. I think that's got to give a yeah. benefit of the doubt as well. Yeah, they were in the CFP. They got boat raced by TCU. Everybody wants to forget about that, too. Yeah. No, I mean, that's – that's uh, so, yeah, there's like there are a lot of things that don't make sense. They're like, oh, well, the strength – like, all right, like – was Michigan's strength of schedule good? Like, no, it was terrible. No, I mean, like, so why is nobody talking about that when it comes to it? Like, was there, like, they had a terrible, terrible schedule. Georgia's was the worst they'd had in a long time and was only buoyed by the fact that Mizzou became good this year. If and Mizzou, Ole Miss. Yeah, and Ole Miss. Like, those two. two, those two. Otherwise, when, you know, if you go by how it starts out at the beginning of the season, Georgia had their easiest schedule in history. Yep. Like, they just had a ridiculously easy schedule. So, I don't know. But at least we've talked about the games now. Yeah. And not the controversy, uh, which, again, 
uh, like on my deathbed. <laughs> like I'm gonna like come closer, come closer. The college football playoff committee in 2023 was bullcrap. <laughs> Flatline. This <laughs> <laughs> so, is how he would have wanted to go. Yeah. <laughs> he never let it go. Yeah. <laughs> just on a tombstone, just middle fingers to the CFP. A big statue. Like, I have a big statue and a mausoleum of just like different things. I want. What's the head of the CFP's name? The head, the oh, Bill Hancock. Bill Hancock. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be on your on your. Yeah, no, uh, we've interviewed Bill him. Bill Hancock's gonna have to see me wherever I am. He's been on three sixty five sports twice. Both those times I've been gone. Nope. <laughs> Both those times I've been gone, and um, he's retiring, so he'll never come on again. So. Uh, yeah, he, he gets to not that he's like lives in fear of like, man, I'm lucky that, you know, the one of the three who dislikes me the most, which it's not like the three of us on the main show, you know, like it's not one of them that has like a Bill Hancock poster in his room or anything like right. that. Like nobody's fans of what he does, but I would say it's me. I, I probably have the lowest tolerance for lobbyists of any human being on the planet. Mm. So no, I, go further. We need to like die. <laughs> no, I like, I just, you know, like if you lobby, what do you think about campaign donations. Oh my God. Don't even get me started. But, uh, like if you lobby for something good, should senators hold stocks. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, <laughs> I mean, maybe not. No, but like, I mean, they should have to adhere to the same rules we all mm. do, you know, but, uh, we, that's neither here nor there, but like, if you lobby for something good, which is pretty rare, right? Like rare, like Children's compared to most lobbyists. Yeah. Like those are good lobbies and those do good things. But if you lobby for something just because you're getting a check for it, regardless of the, you know, like, Hey, we should be able to spray this on our, on our plants. Why? Well, cause we could harvest them faster. Like, is it going to make people sick? Don't worry about that. Like <laughs> everything Who's makes people, <laughs> who's to say what sick is Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, you know, sick, like throwing up violently 7% of people. Since when have you let the government <laughs> to tell you, tell you, you know. <laughs> how you feel? Yeah. That, those kind of things. So when it comes to a lobbyist in something I love, like college football, like that intersection is a thing I can't, I cannot abide. So yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't go in for, for lobbies. It's just not, it's not my thing. I don't like hotel lobbies. No, I don't, oh. I don't <laughs> you know, deep, any kind of lobby. I mean, doctor's office lobby, worst place you can be. You're just waiting. You know what? That's probably fair. Actually, <laughs> it's like nothing really good has happened. There's old, coughing. old magazines. There's other sick people. Yeah. You might not even be sick. You might just Dark's have to be there to make sure that you're not. Yeah. <laughs> so no. All right. When we come back, Dylan Gabriel, Riley Leonard made big transfer decisions and went to big spots. Does Riley Leonard help get o Oregon over the line? And does does Riley Leonard does Dylan Gabriel help get Oregon over the line? Does Riley Leonard help get Notre Dame over that line? We'll talk about next. This is the triple option. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. 
Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra-scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome back. Paul Catalina and Royden Ogletree. Dylan Gabriel to Oregon. Riley Leonard to Notre Dame. These are so far the biggest QB decisions of the transfer portal cycle. Um, you know, um, we talked a little bit yesterday um, when Jacob was here about the uh, about Talon Green, which is one I, I really, really like. But um, Dylan Gabriel and Riley Leonard are the two top quarterbacks who've committed. The rest, like, not bad. Like, Chandler Rogers to Cal, I think, is good. You know, Brock Vandergriff to Kentucky is very interesting. We haven't seen Brock Vandergriff play yet. Mm-hmm. We just know about him being a five-star prospect at a high school. Um, you know, and then, the, and then the rest have kind of all all fallen in how they were. You know, uh, you know Blake Shape and Mississippi State is pretty interesting. Um, and, and things of that nature. But the two big ones um, – Dylan Gabriel, the second-rated quarterback overall um, by uh, On3.com, and right later, the fourth-rated quarterback and 11th overall recruit uh, by On3.com, have made their transfer decisions. These are both teams who were Oregon, um, two close losses to to Washington from being like win one of those games and you're at like win the second one of those games especially and you're in the college football playoff uh, and Riley Leonard going from Duke to Notre Dame Notre Dame you win um, you win you know you win that Ohio State game um, and your season probably is a little bit different although they did get pretty stomped by Louisville and Clemson yeah. uh, when they did play but. Maybe after that Ohio State game, things might have been different because, you know, not you, as much of a letdown. Yeah, uh, and and by the way, Riley Leonard played a great game against Notre Dame this year. Uh, got hurt at the end, which that game for Riley Leonard kind of derailed Duke's yep. uh, grand plan to to finally arrive on the scene uh, in the ACC. Yeah, we were watching that game it was the same weekend as the Baylor UCF game, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden it was like, what? How are we doing? What, what is happening? It just yeah. kept going. Yeah, and uh, but. Uh, which of these two guys, in your opinion, gets their team? Because, again, we're talking about 12-team playoff next year. Are these guys playing in the 12-team playoff next season? Uh, hmm. Because of the transfer to the Big Ten, it may be a little harder with all the you know bit top of the Pac-12 teams going to the Big Ten for Oregon. Like, the depth of field... Like, I know you don't think that, like, the Big Ten is as good as the Pac-12, but I think, like, the, the like, having to grind it out versus... Well, it's still Nebra- going to be tough. I mean, this yeah, having to grind it out about, against Nebraska in the middle of the winter is going to suck. So, you know, yeah. I don't know if Dylan Gabriel 
gets you over the hump more so than like what Bo Nix gave you. And I and I get it that Bo Nix, like 65% of his yards came after the catch this season or something. Yeah crazy like that so it's all about getting the ball to athletes which dylan gabriel has been doing for two years in this oklahoma style offense how does he look in the oregon offense which i think all shoot all things are an offshoot of the spread uh brio system but i think oregon may have a little bit more structure Mm -hmm. um i don't know the big thing for both of these players is health how does Riley Leonard look coming off, I believe, lower leg injury, ankle injury? Uh, unsure. We'll see. Yeah. How does he look in that system at Notre Dame, which I assume is probably similar pro-style system to, to what Duke was running? Um, I am so frightened that Dylan Gabriel is like one big hit away from just not playing anymore. Well, I mean, he's, he is like Riley Leonard's big guy. Yeah. Like he's a bigger, and it's, and it's, yeah. I it's mean, we're talking six, because Riley Leonard did get hurt, but I just like, it, he's five eleven, mm-hmm. maybe 200 pounds. I doubt it. Like five eleven, one ninety. 190 listed at one eighty six. Oof. So, you know, so I just think we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I like Riley Leonard, what he adds to that Notre Dame team that they haven't had in a long time, which is a running threat mm-hmm. at the quarterback position. Yeah. Which I think he's mostly good at. He he passes off the run better than he like yeah. he, but set, I, I, uses the pass to set up his run. Yeah. You know what I mean? But look, they okay, so here are the big the big uh, tough games next year for Notre Dame on their schedule. Uh, I know they're in transition, but uh, at Kyle Field against Texas A&M, not easy to start off the season. Uh, Considering uh, that coach knows literally everything about you. Yeah. yeah. Um, But uh, I don't know how Purdue's going to be next year, but you still have to go on the road to Purdue. Um, uh, You host Louisville. Um, You host Florida State. And you go to USC, and that's not to mention like yes, yeah, Stanford, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Navy all on the schedule as well. Uh, but so if you navigate that part of the schedule, like yeah, I mean, but they like this is going to be tough. Like they've got, you know, they've got a tough go of it mm-hmm. uh, this year. And for Oregon, I should add to Notre Dame needs people to throw to. Yeah. Also, but two two big transfers. Bo yeah. Collins at uh, a Clemson. Chris Mitchell at FIU. I believe Chris Mitchell was. I don't know if he was the leader in that conference in receiving, but he was up towards the top. He might have led in touchdowns. But those two guys are in the fold, so that's that's big. Like they wouldn't have gotten Riley Leonard if they didn't get those guys first. Like no matter how bad he might have wanted to go oh, there, no. he might have just gone to like I'll just go to Ohio State and play with the sixth best guy on their roster that's better than than most everybody else. But uh, Oregon. Um, they host Boise State, who we'll see. Um, you know, they've got the Civil War, which we'll see. Uh, UCLA, again, we'll see. Michigan State, eh, you know, we don't know yet. Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, the three toughest games on their schedule of teams yeah. based on based on this year. But things can change just that rapidly because of the transfer portal they also play uh, at Purdue. But, um, but yeah, so... I mean, is Dylan Gabriel good enough to navigate that schedule in the Big Ten? Like, that's – I mean, right now, like, it's a better schedule than Oklahoma played this year. 
Yeah, but I think he'll have more playmakers to work with offensively yeah. at Oregon. And I think the system will be something that he could pick up pretty quick. Uh, that way, I think he can have an advantage. That's something that Riley Leonard's going to have to overcome. And you mentioned what they did in the portal at Notre Dame, but that's the biggest difference is Dylan Gabriel's going to work with playmakers and a better system around him <laughs> to put him in position to go to the playoff, whereas that's not the case for Notre Dame. Now, I think Riley Leonard can go to Notre Dame and win seven or eight games, but I think the Irish don't have a chance of making it to the playoff given that schedule. Yeah. I also should add that Dylan Gabriel is a red zone run threat too. Yeah. He had 12 touchdowns this year, no matter yeah. how like small that I know that he is, but like he still well, was like able he, to and then, scramble around and get in that, the that last zone. drive against Texas. He, he made it happen by running right. the ball uh, two in that last minute. You know, had that big, big conversion on third down and long uh, that, that he ran. So yeah, I mean, I um, don't think these two though have enough, like have, are they that much juice to get these two teams over the hump unless Oregon has a lot of secret weapons that we don't really know about? Yeah. Like, Dylan Gabriel can keep Oregon, to me, at the same level. Riley Leonard will right. keep them. But I think they might improve with Riley Leonard a little bit. Like, as much as, you know, I like Sam Hartman, I think Riley Leonard's better. But Best um, jawline in college football. But, like, what uh, – you know, like what is that arc given the schedule that you have every year at Notre Dame? Right. You know, are you legit CFP contenders because of that one game? Like a 10 and 2 Notre Dame team is probably getting in. So, probably. I just. <laughs> Name I, recognition plays a lot here. We've yeah. now established that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I. Look. I, I, I'm wary of how well Riley Leonard can throw the ball. 20 touchdowns, six interceptions last season. Mm -hmm. um, so he probably takes care of the ball really well. I do like his running ability. We'll see how well it heals up after that, that leg injury. Mm -hmm. I personally think it ele they, uh, this player elevates them over Sam Hartman, who mm – -hmm traditional drop back and throw at quarterback. You know, and I, I, mm -hmm. I think in college football to me, it's in getting increasingly more in the NFL. Just have a guy that can is a threat to run around a little bit mm -hmm. to escape the pocket. Otherwise, I, you're just you just become that much more limited in your offense. Now, I know if you have like a Peyton Manning who's just going to put it on a dot every single time. Yeah. Then whatever. But most of the time, these guys aren't that. Yeah. So I would just like have a guy that is a threat to maybe keep the ball once in a while. Yeah. No, and I, and I think Riley, I think both of them will do well in those systems. I think Riley Leonard will do really well in that Notre Dame system, um, especially since they'll have better wide receivers this year, I think. Interesting quarterback room now for uh, Oregon because now they, it's. Austin Novosad, who hadn't had a lot of playing time, who will be a redshirt freshman. I'm sure they'll bring in. A, I'm yeah, sure they'll, they'll bring, bring in a, a freshman yeah. quarterback. But now their four-star recruit uh, backup quarterback, which I mean, I guess Austin Novosad leaped him, but yeah, he transferred out as well too. So the depth is kind of interesting there at, at, at Oregon if Dylan Gabriel doesn't stay healthy, which, like I said, is a real concern. Yeah. I feel like I'm jinxing the poor kid now. I don't yeah. want to do that. I just like it it is very rare unless you were like Russell Wilson. Yeah. I mean, even didn't Bryce Young miss some time his last year too? Yeah. Well that's what so, Jay, hey, Milrow played against AM. Beat him. Yeah. So 
last year. So yeah, we'll see. Royden, thank you as always. Oh, you're quite welcome. Yeah. Today on the show, we'll talk uh, in depth uh, about Riley Leonard. Mike Frank, a Notre Dame insider, going to join us. Uh, also, uh, we will talk to Scott Docterman. He has uh, an interesting 2014 playoff based on the FCS. Plus, I want to ask him, he's keyed into the Big Ten. He's covered Iowa a long time. Mm-hmm. What their plans are at offense, like how to change the offense is um, it moves forward into the new Big Ten where they can't you know, run and hide in the West anymore. Run and shoot. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then we'll have John McClain. And we're working on some other guests. Uh, that is coming up this afternoon at 3 o'clock, just an hour and two minutes from now. This is 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need,